0: Ready? So, welcome back. To the Diaries of the Wild Ones. Once again, a massive thank you to Wild Earth Australia for supporting me and the adventurous lifestyle. And thanks again to everyone for tuning into this podcast. So, to say thank you, we're offering a 10% discount code. So, next time you need any outdoor gear for your next adventure or camping trip, go to wildearth.com.au and put in the discount code Diaries of the Wild Ones, all one word, capital letters. They ship internationally and have free shipping Australia wide. So, this week, Diaries of the Wild Ones took me out to the Westfords in Iceland a really remote, raw part of Iceland that until recently could only be accessed by boat or in the middle of summer when enough ice had melted for the rugged roads. I went out there to meet a guy who had heard tales about him and his adventures all over Iceland. One person even said he should be the next Prime Minister, and after meeting him I can understand why. He is well known for his expeditions, sailing to uncharted places that very little humans, if any, have ever been. He is a sailor in the wildest climate on the planet, yet he is so humble and humble, calm and speaks with so much respect and depth about sailing in this harsh climate. So this is Siggy Jonsson, the captain and owner of the sailing yachts Aurora and Artica, which he uses to do guided ski and sailing expeditions around the west coast of Iceland and the east coast of Greenland. This was such an honour and just an amazing experience for me to sit down with one of the last great explorers on this planet. So enjoy. snow falling off and boom well that weather outside is well it's just it's just been snowing yeah I, but it's i mean that's we've been kind of waiting
1: for this yeah because there hasn't been very much snow here yeah right so i actually we we just arrived from finland a few days ago but yeah. So we kind of missed out on most of the winter but oh really it's it's, it's uh unusually little snow here now
0: skipping the winter well, <laughs> we had a, a different winter. <laughs> I don't blame you. And no.
1: Finland has similar,
0: actually. I was tr- it was pretty funny because I got out this morning and um, I've got some fruit in the back door, like um, in the back under the bed of the van, and I got out and I walked around and opened the door, and everything was frozen. There was icicles over everything, and so I got it off the door handle, and then I tried to open the door, and I just had to bang it a couple of times. So much ice fell off, and I was like, "Oh, it's all frozen shut." No. And then I went around to the side door, same thing. Like every door was frozen shut. Yeah, and I think that must be because that temperature change, or like why? Yeah, I think it's like
1: now it is. It's just just around zero, so it's a little cold, a little warm, a little so that why it gets all wet and icy, and yeah. So, but that's uh. I think we need a little, you know, maybe a few more storms like this.
0: Yeah. This is... Do you... Being a sailor here, do you understand this weather? I th- I, I would consider... I would consider that just being like... I, I'm having trouble understand, understanding the weather in Iceland. And i trying to... It's so unpredictable. Yeah. Like... So,
1: yeah. I think the... So, the big... I, I don't know. I think there's not so many places in the world where you are, where we have this situation because we are on an island in the middle of the sea and we're right on the path of these low pressures that come up. They form usually somewhere in the south of Newfoundland or south of Greenland somewhere yeah. between, let's say, f- between Newfoundland and Asaurus. That's where they usually start somewhere. And they come up over Iceland or to the west or to the east and then they continue up and then they usually fizzle out and just finish up somewhere a little bit north of Iceland. Yeah. So that's what controls the weather. So if the so we'll we'll get these northeasterlies if the if the storms are on this side, we get southwesterlies if the storms come on the other side. So that's why it's changing so so fast and so much. It could be three it could be two or three lows every week. Yeah.
0: And they that means
1: that the wind is going to be round and round and round.
0: Doesn't that make you nervous about being a sailor? Let's say you're doing a big crossing, you're on your way to Greenland.
1: Yeah, but it's uh, but nowadays the forecast for 2 or 3 days is really accurate. Yeah. Well, I would say relatively accurate.
0: Yeah, I'd say relatively. Uh, even so I So
1: uh, at least in the broader picture, like the winter storms like we're experiencing now are a little bit more unpredictable. Yeah. But it's uh the most interesting usually for us is to come back from greenland when the season finishes in october maybe late september early october so when that's in a really that's when the lows are really active yeah so you could quite often we are trying to we're looking maybe a week ahead and following where is the kind of window to yeah. jump back
0: jump back so and then
1: and then we it may be that uh, we wait for one low to pass we go right behind it so we have a little bit of a storm when we leave because we are just the low is just going away, yeah. and then halfway it drops to nothing, and the the wind drop wind goes down, but the sea is very confused because the the sea was you know created by the storm, and yeah. then the next storm is starting, so you end up having these three uncomfortable situations on one maybe forty hour crossing you you start in a storm you you halfway you have a Sickness. Really shitty situation because there's a really confused and bad seas, but no wind to keep the boat stable. Yeah. And you're kind of motoring in horrible sea states, and then the wind starts picking up again, and another storm is just starting when you arrive on the other side.
0: Yeah, right. So, when you said the season that you go over to Greenland for the season, what's what's this season like? What do you actually do with your boat being a sailor here in Iceland?
1: So it's been pretty steady now for many years that we start in. Uh, Sometime in late February with ski trips, so we ski here in Iceland for maybe March, April, May. Yeah, and uh, so basically we use. So I I never looked at myself as being a sailor or a skier or anything really. I'm just kind of out here having fun doing different things. And and for me, the boats were primarily just nice vehicles to go places. Yeah. But also more importantly a base camp to stay somewhere and do something nice off the boat. Yeah. So it's not about the sailing. So our trips are not necessarily about the actual sailing. Of course we really like to sail and we use the sail whenever we can and we enjoy sailing. But most importantly it's a it's a base camp. I mean you live on the boat, you you go outside and play all day, you go skiing, you go kayaking, photography, hiking, climbing, all kinds of things. Yeah. Uh, you come back to the boat in the afternoon. You have a nice dinner. You know, sit down with the, the friends around the table. You talk about all your adventures. Nice sleep. Get ready for something next morning.
0: Yeah, right. So you're so mainly... it,
1: it's a mostly we we look at the boats as as uh, movable backcountry huts.
0: Yeah, right. Isn't that interesting? What an idea! How did you how did you come up with that idea? You're just looking to try and get more remote to places or no, that? No,
1: I think it's, it comes a little bit from just... This is just what what I used to do with my friends when I was a kid and, you know, living here. Yeah. So we, you know, my father had a small boat. We used to do these kind of things. We would take the boats, go to the Hornstrand area somewhere. we used live on the boat. we go hiking or something. we move the boat around. So it, it was something we did. Yeah. And just growing up in in here in town... I think uh for me, it was always this combination of the mountains and the sea, so I never looked at m- myself as being a mountaineer or a sailor, but just any activity that suited the weather that particular day or the condition, something yeah right. so one day it would be nice to go out in the water, maybe the next day would be nice to go into the mountains, you could do ice climbing, skiing, rock climbing, kayaking, whatever was kind of nice to do that particular moment, yeah, so, so I think we always kind of. Try to just go outside and play. That's what, what it was yeah. all about. Yeah, and it's still like this. I'm. I don't think I'm. I'm not tired, or I don't have to make any excuses to go out and play, even if I'm not like twelve anymore.
0: Yeah, right. That's a that's a good. So it's live. the
1: same. It's the same idea, and that's and and then, I thought, well, maybe you know, I used to I used to work as a naval architect in you know fishing, shipbuilding, and so. But I always had it in the back of my mind. Maybe, maybe one day it would be nice to do my, you know, continue with my hobbies or my yeah. playing outside and see if I can invite some other people to join me and if they want to pay for it and I can make a living of it, so much better. Yeah. So that's how it started and we started to do this kind of thing. We took uh, Aurora, we bought her in 2006 started taking her for these kind of ski trips.
0: Where did Greenland come into it? Like how did you decide to go to Greenland? So
1: that was always somehow in the it was really always in the picture of course it's very close so isafjordur is uh, the town our town here is the closest port to east greenland so actually when you sail if you for uh, let's say the distance the sailing distance from isafjordur to reykjavik is the same as from isafjordur to greenland
0: Oh really? So
1: why the fuck would you go to Reykjavik? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> go west. And what an adventure! So,
0: what an adventure to get to Greenland. So, uh,
1: so from here to Greenland, yeah, on a on a nice day, it's only thirty hours, Ooh. so it's quite short. Yeah, Well it's even shorter. You know, the actual distance is maybe twenty four hours, but you know, to, from port to Anchorage. Yeah. So in about you know ten fifteen hours, you already started to see the mountains of Greenland. Yeah, right. So it's a logical. It's it's kind of a logical backyard for us, you know. It's our ter- you know. It's our terrain somehow. Yeah, it's our home turf.
0: Yeah. And okay, so deciding to take people out. Yeah. Um, how did you go realizing the responsibility with sailing in this this type of weather and this kind of conditions with other people on board? Was that something that was in the back of your mind? Like realizing no. with that that weather window, or was it, is that no. is that something like? No, actually, I
1: never, so I never considered myself to be in some kind of a business or some kind of a formal, I never, I can't, I can't make myself think that I'm in some kind of a formal business situation. I just, I'm just doing things that are fun for me yeah. and safe for me and my family, and then it's safe and fun for everybody else. Yeah, right. That's kind yeah. of my motto. So I know that if I am confident to take my wife and my kids sailing, yeah. then I'm confident to take anybody. To, to if, the, if the boat is safe for me and my family, then it's safe for anybody else. Yeah. And that's kind of. And also, if I am doing something that I think is fun, and that's also the marketing we do. I mean, basically, we don't do marketing. Yeah. You know, we put Instagram, we have a website, but basically, we are honestly we're just trying to show people what we do and what we think is fun and and that should be enough to you know make people want to come and do these things with us and I really think that I always think that it's like it's not that I really hate it when people say that I'm in some kind of tourism
0: industry I mean how can I be in some kind of industry when I'm just you know you just doing your thing, doing my thing Um, how many trips, like, how often do trips get cancelled because of the weather? Never. Or, never?
1: Never. Since 2006, we have never cancelled any trip.
0: Really? And do you ever get stuck, like, saying, Greenland, yeah, yeah. waiting for that? Yeah, that- yeah, of course. So, when you when people are booking to come with you or, or organising a trip with you, that's something that they've got to be wary of and open that, you know, you could get stuck on the other side waiting yeah, for a weather but, window? Yeah, but
1: that's just, uh, it's. I, I, I've been trying to tell people, okay, you come on a ski trip with me, but honestly you are coming on a little bit of an expedition yeah and when you go on an expedition the outcome is can be anything really yeah so for instance Aurora the other our other boat she is now in, in the fjords but the trip started on Tuesday so the group arrived Tuesday morning it was crazy weather on Tuesday and Wednesday so on Tuesday instead of going across to the fjords which we would have normally tried to do the, the people moved on the boat they started the trip on the boat we took a bus to the to the local mountains here. We skied all day here. Uh, mon- uh, yeah. Wednesday was really shit weather. It wasn't possible to do anything. Yeah. So it was really windy and kind of snowy. So they, we took another bus and drove to the hot springs and you know just had a fun day. So there's our pro. We do something. It may be Plan B, but sometimes the Plan B is more fun than Plan A. Yeah. So as soon as the weather cleared uh, yesterday morning. They sailed across, so they are now there. Yeah. Do you but, have a- but but people will always... We always start the trip. Yeah. And we always do our best to do something. And I... It has never happened so far that people have somehow been unhappy yeah. with the plan B.
0: I couldn't imagine how they could be.
1: I mean, this is... Yeah. For most people, you come from, uh, you know, anywhere in the world. To be stuck in a snowstorm, even in the harbour in Isafir, is still an exciting thing. Yeah,
0: well, this is raw adventure. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. Um, how often... Have you gone out of port and had to turn back? Like, does that ha- happen often? Like, as in, you go out and that weather has just changed so quick?
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it. well, I think we know pretty well, if we leave port, we are pretty sure that we can get across to the other side or something. Yeah. So, I don't think we've ever had to actually just turn around, come back that same day or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but with the forecast, we'll try to make sure that when we leave here, then it's nice and safe, we can go to the other side, we can anchor and then again it can start blowing again because we are safe we know safe anchorages we can stay there in a blizzard and anchor and just have a cozy time on the boat like today i think they are now they are anchored now on the other side you see it's not really pleasant weather
0: no 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 no, no. but aurora
1: is anchored on the other side yeah and most likely people are just staying on board. they're having some nice meals. you know they're having some fun and games on the boat, maybe jumping in the water, but maybe not even going skiing because it's really shit weather yeah have but, you but to be stuck in a boat in the fjords in the middle of the winter in a sto- snowstorm i mean it's plenty of adventure for
0: most people yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you ever get um caught unawares, as in like you you're on your way, you're heading into port, and that weather is just coming too quick for your liking. And that adrenaline, do you ever mm-hmm. are you ever in these scary situations where you I don't know. I I, I was just saying I,
1: I don't I don't I don't think I've ever been like uh, I don't remember having had this like a terrible, like a mortal fear of like dying or something. Yeah. I think of course most of the time or quite often it's it's very exciting. Yeah. And I don't know exactly where that Turns into fear or not, but I, I, I think I think uh, fear is when you're somehow feeling out of control somehow. Yeah. And uh, and I I've been fortunately not enough to imagine myself being in control most of the time. Yeah. And uh, and so I never had an experience of somehow paralyzing fear of of being in so, such a danger, but. Quite often I've had some very exciting yeah. times and and it could mean that, yeah, like you said, sometimes the weather, especially like when we are crossing an ocean, like going from Greenland or, or from Europe up to here or something in the winter like we've done a few times, yeah. then you can have, you know, weather can change, of course.
0: That might be that understanding of nature that you actually have here. Where it's something that I don't have yet. And I was telling you, I've been up with with Steve Lewis for, from the um, Empire Expeditions the last week up in Sigilafirda. Yeah. And he's been teaching me how to be a mountaineer and cross the mountains. And the most adrenaline-packed week of my life has been the last week. And that's because of... Being so far out of my comfort zone with that weather and there's been three times in the last week where I've been trying to do a mountain crossing and I've had to turn back because of the weather mm. and so it was so, I was telling your wife just before I did this one because I'm I'm, we're scouting the route that I'm going to do to cross the mountains from Siglafurter to Olesfurter and I went up this one valley and it was four hours in that it took me to hike in and I got halfway up this mountain and I knew that once I summited that mountain and got down the other side then I can just cross the frozen lake and then there was the road there with the two tunnels in between the two mountains there and I know I could hitchhike back. And so in my mind, it was I'd been four hours in and then it was just two hours to get over. Mm. I I could have done that in two hours. And so I didn't want to turn back. But the weather started getting too hairy and I knew that once it was unknown territory on the other side and it was so weird for the ego because in my mind, the ego is like, no, just fuck it, just... Just summit that mountain, just get over it and get down and figure it out. But in these conditions, there's something maybe because you've grown up in Iceland, you understand the harshness of that weather. And it was a learning curve for me that I had to understand that, that no, like I wasn't in control in that situation. Like I, yeah. the smartest thing was to turn back and go back the way that I came, even though it was longer. And this happened three times to me last week. Yeah. Where I got somewhere and, and, again, it was just because I was like how you're talking about the weather here it sounds like you understand it so much where for me yeah i think there's a few things about about this one is that if you are in the
1: environment like continuously like let's say if, if you're here all the winter you you get more in kind of in tune and in sync with what is going on you follow what is going on from one week to the next so you know the snow conditions and you get a kind of comfortable understanding of the situation in general so one storm is not gonna, you know, you know how that particular storm has affected the snowpack for your avalanche risk and the conditions in the mountains, and you understand that with the snow coming from the northeast, this, you know, maybe better to be on this side than the other side, and you, you get a kind of good understanding. Yeah. But it's also, I think, by growing up and living in this environment for a long time, it it gives you, hopefully, uh, you know, a bit of an under, you know, a respect for the for the weather and the, and the forces of nature, but also, but it, it also teaches you, it's a little bit like the respect, but it's more that kind of a, uh, not really a respect, but more like a stoic attitude towards it, that, that it's, you know, it's bigger than you. Yeah. And you don't get like pissed off if, if you, if you, if you don't manage to control it somehow. Yeah. So if the, if, if it gets to a certain point where you know that, it's not manageable for you with whatever experience you have then you just take it easy and you don't bother with it and yeah. you just go home again and you just relax and wait until it gets better and I think people who are living here all the time and who are used to it it, it goes into not only traveling and playing out in the nature but also a- everyday life you know yeah, you know, if the airplane doesn't arrive on time, or the newspaper hasn't been here, or the onions are getting li- really shitty in the s- supermarket <laughs> because the trucks haven't been here for a week, or something, you don't, you don't freak out because you know it's just the nature has taken control and it's just the way it is, and you just take it easy and yeah, have another cup of coffee and it'll be better.
0: Yeah, and wait, this is this is what I got told um, coming coming here from Hader he he said to me he's like he actually said this several times um before I got here he's like just just remember like we'll go on many missions and get not get anything or like we'll go somewhere and we'll be sitting around for days just waiting for the weather to to turn yeah. and i was like and i was like yeah yeah of course that's that's all part of the adventure but not really understanding it until i got here and understanding how the, the nature how wild it is here and once it does turn yeah it can be days yeah yeah, that but that's
1: also. I mean, that's, that's exactly how I try to, in my let's say, limited marketing, or is to somehow uh, get the re- right expectations to people, to yeah. our guests, before they sign up, that that they don't come here with the expectation that it's going to be like waist deep powder and blue sky every day. Yeah, that most likely is going to be shit weather. You know, If you're lucky, it's going to be nice, yeah. but most likely it's just going to be shit. But that's, the snow is going to be shit. The weather is going to be horrible, but you're probably going to have the most fun you've ever had in your life.
0: Yeah. But that's, <laughs> the, that's the fun of it too. And I've talked about this before on, on um, other episodes about Iceland and the, the weather here and how raw it is and how harsh it is. And when it does open up and everything lo- does line up, it's the most beautiful place on earth. And it's like, I think that's what keeps me here. Mm-hmm. It's it's like with those weather windows with the surf. It's like it's so harsh and like I, I start getting over the raininess and the snowing and the cold and the wind and everything. And the next thing, everything just opens up and the heavens open up and the waves start pumping. The sun's out, and we have this this beautiful weather. Has someone just come? I think we have a guest. Yeah. I think we I can cut that a little bit out but yeah that was. I think that was really nice someone yeah. just coming around to say we've got some cake for you yeah that's pretty right. cool so um wait, where were we
1: yeah something about the weather I guess <laughs> <laughs> that's a most common topic in Iceland di- I think that discussion.
0: is that's the main topic that's all like, oh I was talking about that when everything does line up yeah yeah. that everything just opens up and it's just so beautiful and amazing and that's what yeah. keeps you here that's what it it makes those three four days or weeks or those days of sitting around waiting for the weather worth it because when everything does open up, it's just like, it's just wow. This place yeah. just wows you. But what I was going to ask you was, um, a lot of the places that you go around Greenland, hmm. like, from what I've heard, that this is the next frontier, as, as in like it's a lot of the places you go are unmapped or unexplored, and, and like, how do you, how do you manage that? so
1: yeah so i'm so the East coast of Greenland is my kind of a home grounds, and because there's i mean the East Coast is about two or three thousand kilometers with maybe three thousand people in one spot, yeah, so it's it's practically uninhabited, and also it's almost uncharted or very poorly mapped, yeah. So, because there's nobody there, the West Coast is completely different because that's the traffic, and that's where most people have been. But the East Coast is very poorly mapped. most of the fjords are not mapped at all, yeah and the charting was done by open seated planes in the 1930s, but it's very very bad mapping, so it's a really exciting place to go you're almost you always feel like you are exploring some new territory, yeah, and it's just endless it's huge 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 and it's endless mountains, glaciers, fjords that nobody is there.
0: So you, would you be mapping it then yourself? No when you go not
1: really but of course we are noting a lot of stuff and you know we are correcting the maps when we can and we are collecting our tracks and anchorages and stuff. Yeah.
0: So if you're going into unknown unmapped uncharted territory yeah, wouldn't you be scared of like um, you know reefs or like yeah. um, bombing? Actually yeah
1: you need to you need to Constantly, you know, even if you go where, where it's supposedly mapped or charted, yeah. you still need to con- constantly be on the lookout. Even if you're going on uh, the middle of the fjords, you need to constantly look at your sounder and make sure there's not a rock coming up.
0: Yeah, and if you're going down these fjords, are you ever going through like ice and? and
1: yeah, yeah, so so the east coast is blocked with sea ice until maybe so from it starts the sea ice starts forming maybe in October. Yeah, And in the middle of the winter, like now, maybe a couple of weeks ago was probably the biggest extension. Then it reaches maybe halfway to Iceland. Yeah, it's right. just constant, just massive ice. Yeah. And then uh, it starts retreating again. And then by July, it starts opening. So quite often you cannot get in until in July. Sometimes you cannot get into some of the places until in August. Or just because the ice
0: is too thick. I've seen... It's the- just so much ice, you know, yeah, and right. it's...
1: it's uh, it's ice it's ice that forms in the winter but it's also ice coming off the glaciers and it's also ice coming up you know down from the north like the north pole yeah,
0: polar basin if you're, if you're just sailing along um, you're just underway and there is a bit of ice like random sea ice and you crash into that is that can that be do a lot of damage to yeah, your boat yeah Are yeah you... yeah I mean it's just like hitting a rock yeah so that's a whole another thing that you gotta be yeah 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 right
1: so it's an interesting I often I often say it's almost like when you're when you're navigating in the fjords where where you don't know the bottom and you don't know the surface because there's ice on the surface it's almost like three more like three dimensional you have to be looking at what is below your boat what is in front of course and uh so it's an interesting it's an interesting navigation
0: yeah quite so exciting how does the boat does it have to be a certain thickness for you to be able to still sail through yeah, it yeah mostly
1: when we get there the, the, let's say the 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 winter ice is gone, so it's yeah. just individual bergs. Yeah. So we can kind of zigzag between them. Yeah.
0: Right. You know when you see those videos and it'll be like the um, bow of a boat. Just yeah, actually
1: breaking. Cracking, breaking. Yeah, no, that's not. That's that's really the That would be the winter ice. Yeah. That's pretty much gone.
0: Yeah. But. You wouldn't put your boat through that?
1: Sometimes you get that kind of ice just before we leave, like in late September. It starts freezing again, yeah. like really thin ice. And we can even get that here in Isafjord. Yeah, right. But the big problem in Greenland is the big icebergs, like big chunks of ice yeah, floating on the water.
0: So, if you're, so not only do you have to be so aware of the, the ocean mm. and these inlets, the fjords... You've also got to be so aware of the snow and the snowpack if you're taking people skiing in the mountains. So, would that. Yeah, but th-
1: Greenland, so when we arrive in Greenland, it's usually too late for skiing. So, it's mostly kayaking and hiking and things like that. Yeah, right. We're going to bring Aurora to South Greenland next year. Yeah. So then we're going to be skiing also in Greenland. Yeah. Right. But you need to go for skiing, you need to go to the south or the west coast. Yeah. If you want to bring in a boat.
0: Yeah, right. Does it get big swells up there for surfing (laughs) in
1: greenland (laughs) there's there's (laughs) there's really big swell yeah but there's no place where it actually can form surf because it's usually really deep and it just hits straight hits the rock there's no beaches yeah there's no kind of gradual shoals it just it just hits hits the rocks just straight on yeah, right. So I haven't been able to see I I haven't been able to find anywhere anything looking like surf. Yeah. We actually brought a group of American surfers looking for something there was nothing. A huge swell. Really pretty nice swell. Was that But no no surf.
0: Was that the movie that you're in? Or no,
1: the, that was not the movie, no. Oh okay, Because okay. that one you were That was here. Yeah in the Hornstrand area, yeah.
0: And that was to try and get a bit around the West Yeah, yeah. And I think that's what that's what people I suppose in my country anyway, uh because you this is the thing I, I, I didn't realise like I, um, I was looking for people that I wanted to do podcasts with mm. and um, I thought you'd be really interesting so Hater put me on to you but I didn't realise how well known you, you are in Iceland but other people in the rest of the world I suppose because Under an Arctic Sky made such an impact on, on so many like that was a massive movie the yeah. documentary on Netflix and you're the sailor out of that and I, I yeah. it actually gives me shivers in the trailer it has you it has um, it zooms in on your eyes and yeah. there's like a storm in the background yeah. and it says "When what do you say you say um, you have to realise you're never in control nature's always in Something control like yeah and I think um, it's like one of those sayings that you said there that kind of it kind of gave me shivers it's one of those things that you you reflect on because it's like it's so true like even though that was a movie yeah, yeah, or whatever, but it's still, like, um, by watching that and then coming to Iceland, it's like, wow, that's, like, that's, that's something really. Yeah. Uh, but that's, I mean, we've been trying, we we often try to go and
1: somehow combine the boat with some surfing, but it's it's a bit tricky because, it, it, actually, it, I've spent my life trying to stay away from surf, you know. When you're on a boat, you don't want to be where there's surf. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. You know, you want to be somewhere where it's calm. Yeah. Or, or shelter. You don't want to be where there's big surf waves.
0: No, 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 no.
1: So it's, it's an opposite interest, you know.
0: Yeah. Do you find these fjords like just say, explain what a fjord is. Like, well, I, I don't know. I think, you- I mean,
1: I, normally a fjord is usually like a narrow inlet, mountainous inlet. Yeah. Like a, a bay is, is maybe a wide open one. Yeah. But the fjord is usually a narrow, a narrow inlet that has maybe long and narrow with mountains on the side, like a Norwegian fjord or yeah. some of these Icelandic fjords. And but, that, I mean, uh, it's, it's just something that goes into the land. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, then you have a bay, which is usually uh, something more open more yeah. wide.
0: And Iceland's just so... So Iceland originally. has fjords and
1: bays, you know, depending yeah. on the situation. Here in the west, fjords, it's got a lot of fjords, as you can see. This yeah. where we are, Where the town is here is a typical fjord. You know it, it kind of goes into the land here like
0: uh, and is that because it's volcanic so the the volcano is like have just it just come straight up out of the ocean? No, I think this most of the most of the Icelandic
1: fjords are created it's almost like it's almost like they are I could say you know almost like ditches that are dug out by glaciers. so glaciers carved their way down and dug these kind of uh trenches. Yeah, right. And the sea flooded into it, and then you have a fjord. Yeah. You have like a trench into the land.
0: Is that something that's always in the back of your mind as well as having safe havens by having these fjords everywhere? Yeah, exactly.
1: And for instance, in our ski trips in the Hornstrand area, we have maybe four fjords that we are operating in. And they all have these kind of little bit different aspects. So you can, depending, no matter where the wind is coming from, coming from the south or the west or the north or the east you can always find a shelter somewhere if you know all the fjords and how they are differently pointed. And
0: yeah, right. And So being a sailor in Iceland, okay, right now we're in a marina, there's not many sailboats here. There's like four no. sailboats, and I haven't seen any... Actually, there's
1: quite a few here. I mean, the, the ones you see here now are mostly uh, overwintering boats, yeah. some of the foreign boats here they are left here for the winter. Yeah, right. The local boats are smaller, they're mostly on land.
0: Is that wind picking up? Yeah, I can feel the boat a,
1: rocking and yeah, a little bit of gusting in the rigging. Yeah. No, I mean traditionally, I mean, my dad had a boat when I was a kid and there was for a long time there was maybe one of two boats, sailboats here in the town. Yeah. Because the locals everybody had a boat, but that was mostly for hunting or fishing. Yeah. I mean, why would you take a boat that was unsuitable for hunting, you know? Just, yeah, yeah, just yeah. to go sailing, it didn't make any sense.
0: Yeah. So sailing's not like a big part of the culture here
1: no it it is quite big here in east Africa actually incidentally yeah, uh but that's unusual for Icelandic towns in general yeah,
0: I am um, well, as I told you before, I own a yacht with two other friends and i'm I'm definitely no sailor, mm. but every time I look at the ocean here, I think this is the last place I'd ever want to sail <laughs> yeah, but
1: like most most of the like say, most of the local boats. They will put the boats in the water maybe in May and they'll take them out again maybe in October. Yeah. So they stay, they use them for the summer and they keep them on land for the winter.
0: Yeah. Yeah, right. So being a sailor, does that mean... Most sailors that I've known, know they, they you know, learn the rigging, they learn the engines and everything. Mm. So is that something that you've had to do too? So are you, as in like, okay, so you're a skier, mountaineer... yeah i
1: mean i i grew up so i grew up around boats because my dad had different boats he had a small motorboat when i was young and then he had a sailboat a couple of sailboats and then i started working in a shipyard and i was working in all kinds of boat maintenance so i i grew up around boats and
0: all the different kinds
1: yeah you know fishing boats and pleasure boats
0: just a jack of all trades.
1: And then I actually went to college to learn. I'm a naval architect, so I'm a ship designer, also. Yeah. And I used to work in in this kind of work, but uh, this is more. But then again, I just took my tickets to be able to drive these boats and.
0: Yeah. With this um, with this adventure bone that you have in you. Mm. Where is it? where do you think it's going to take you like as in like so you're already one of the only guys that goes up to the east of greenland mm. have you ever thought of going more north or have you been more north
1: yeah but i mean it, it's a little of course there's all kinds of ideas about projects and things that would be nice to do but it it's not always about going further away somehow it's not always i mean i mean, it's not like n- further north doesn't necessarily mean more adventure yeah for instance the east coast of greenland the uh, the southeast coast is probably more remote and less visited than the northeast coast yeah. and so it it's not or oh, it doesn't mean that it's, it becomes more adventurous just by going north you know so and I think uh, you could spend a lifetime exploring in the fjords in East Greenland, and it's it's going to be a new adventure every day. And I, I I still enjoy the fjords here, even if I practically live there now for yeah. a decade. You know, but uh, it's a new adventure every week. So yeah, I have a I always have some ideas in the back of my head that would be nice to do. You know, the interesting projects, but but. Uh, The adventure doesn't have to be far away. I think the adventure is in your mind a little bit. I mean, you can have an adventure in your daily life, you know, wherever you live, or whatever you do, and it doesn't mean that you have to go far away or do something totally dramatic. Yeah. I mean, I mean, everybody can have his adventure in some ways. You know, I think the I think the only I mean, adventure is also a horribly kind of a misused or 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 too much used term or a word because. In my opinion, you know, ad, the ad, adventure is usually just has to include some kind of an unknown element.
0: Yeah. Uh, like a new experience?
1: Yeah, some kind of new, some, something that expands your horizon a little bit and, and, and has a, an element of an uncertainty. Yeah. That, is, that is an uncertain outcome somehow. Yeah. Then it becomes an adventure. Then it's not just an, a routine thing to do. Then it becomes an adventure, so that you you go out on a, and it doesn't have to be a, a totally dangerous, catastrophic event. It just something different turns up. You know, you see something. You see, uh, you saw a whale that you didn't expect, or yeah. or there was this super cute seal on the beach, or, or there was this really awesome ski run or something that will add a little bit of that uncertainty and something new happens or that expands your, you know, changes your life even, but even in just a little bit of a small way. So I think we can all have a, you know, uh, we can all have our adventures. It doesn't have to be go further north or the, you know, do something totally dramatic.
0: Sometimes I, I tell people at home that they're like, oh, I've got to go to the bank and do all this, you know, chores that they don't want to do. And I always say to them, just make an adventure out of it put it in your mind that you're going on an adventure make a game out of it yeah you know I what think, i mean
1: but i think i think though that uh, yeah i think if you if you want if you want a real adventure even a small one in your daily life you, you you still want to push a little bit outside of your comfort zone a little bit yeah you know walk a different street on the way home or something or you know go <laughs> take a detour somewhere or you know it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be some, but just something that has a little bit of an unknown or a little bit of an exploratory element in it. Yeah. And that, I think anybody can fit that into their almost in their daily life. And I think that, you know, makes a life more interesting.
0: Well, that's where true adventure lies. In yeah. that unknowingness. exactly what you're just saying. Like, I couldn't, couldn't really agree more to that. Where do, you, where do you reckon your passion for adventure comes from? Like, do you think you're just born with it? Or do you reckon, like, you... Like, I know, I know for me... I'm inquisitive. I'm always curious. So it's like, I'm always wondering. It's like when I saw the mountains when we first drove up yeah. through the mountains that first night with Hader, it was a full moon and I was just, just staring at the mountains and I just wondered. I was just curious. Like, what's it like to be in those mountains? And then for me, it just like kind of develops and I just want to know what it's like to experience that. Yeah, You know? And I always say to people that exact thing. It's like life's never going to be fun if you stay in your comfort zone because you know that yeah. you know what I mean it's like to it's like, for me it's like to live life is to have experiences that's why I'm in Iceland it's like mm. a, everyone's like why are you in Iceland surfing I'm like well I know what it's like to be warm you know what I mean I've never experienced yeah. this kind of thing so it's like to come here and surf in such freezing water the adventure yeah. around it for me it's like for you guys or Icelandic people it's kind of normal like for the, all the surfers here it's like what they know yeah. but for me it's the complete opposite I don't know how, where it comes from
1: exactly, but I think I do think there is two maybe two sides of this in my life somehow. One is that I just oh, I just grew up playing outside somehow and having always having fun and being really comfortable playing outside in any conditions. Yeah, and from the time I was just a small kid, really, I, I just remember being always outside and doing something, and not being really good at any particular sport or anything like that. You know, and I was i come from this family like my my grandfather and my uncle they were really good skiers and even my uncle was to the olympics and so i come from this kind of a background of really good skier family but i was pretty shit skier always (laughs) and i always enjoyed being you know skiing and traveling on skis and doing but i was never really good at any of this but i always enjoyed being outside and playing with all this stuff yeah. But I somehow never had the patience or the somehow the drive to be a good athlete in any particular sport or something like that. And but so I was always really comfortable being outside and I enjoyed being outside. I was quite a lot in the Boy Scouts and with them in the rescue teams and all. But but then uh, the other side of this is this. Uh, I don't know where that comes from exactly, but in me, I always felt I never felt that I had to reach you know I never felt that I had to somehow get into a, a condition in my life when everything was just somehow controlled and stabled and sorted out i I feel very comfortable when things are just constantly changing yeah and I, th- I I feel I somehow feel that things are never somehow complete or completely. You know, it like I never had that kind of a th- idea with my career that I has, I should go and study and then get a job and be nice at my job for such a long time and then retire and You know, I felt like you know when I I I always felt all of my jobs were some kind of projects Yeah that had some kind of finite duration. You know, I would just work on this project, finish it, and then just start from zero somewhere else and on another one. Yeah, and I always felt comfortable with that. Yeah. And I think that adds a little bit, that, that it's about the same, it's a little bit about my outdoor playing stuff, but also in my whole life. I think it's all about the same, all the same almost. Yeah. It's, I don't have like a proper job and a proper life somewhere and then just go on an, an adventure somewhere else. It all mixes up in my head somehow.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> We just, everything is an adventure.
1: In, in my, I think I live a constant adventure. Yeah. That's all my life. You know, I, whatever, what, whatever I'm doing in a daily life or outside, it's all yeah. one
0: adventure for me. I, I often <laughs> wonder this about myself. It's like, am I wired this way? Like, obviously, you're the same. Like, I can really relate to what you, exactly what you just said. It's just like, I've never, at school... Trying to be at school or in that system, I just I'd look outside and you just want to go play and explore. It's just not that whole mundane or that that normality of what people call normal life for me just doesn't doesn't suit. I can't be in that rhythm.
1: But I have also done that as well. But that's but in the way I looked at it, also as some kind of project that wouldn't necessarily mean that I had to do it for the rest of my life. Like I've been kind of sucked into these kind of management jobs in, in my previous career. Yeah. Like I, I was running a fleet of trawlers in Canada. It was like a sixty million dollar fleet of trawlers, and with two, three hundred people working. And I was the director of the fleet operations. So it was a proper uh, this, business businessman. And, yeah. and and, <laughs> but but on in the back of my head, I thought that's quite fun. And I looked at it as a project. Yeah. It 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 wasn't a drive to to be the super business guy, but yeah. it was an interesting project. As and an then and i knew that at some point i wanted to work myself out of it and find a good guy to take my job yeah and then i could leave and go and do something different yeah and that's what i did but so i don't mind so i have been tricked into real jobs like that
0: yeah i think it's very impressive mm. that you found um you found a way to live life with your passion i think it's really I think it's really interesting, really and really cool to see. Like, I, I meet a lot of people that have been able to do this in their life, and um, you know, like you found a way to make a living off your passion and keep your adventure going in such a wild place. Like, yeah. When I I have a lot of people ask me how to do this, like how, like what advice would you give to? people in those situations to because fo- a lot of people say yeah okay my passion is horse riding but i can't make a living like that or my passion yeah. is art and i said to am like well why can't you like- I, I
1: i think what i'm gonna say is just it's gonna be some cliches you know because yeah. i think i do but i do honestly think that if you have a if you really believe you have a passion for something and you give it all the full attention yeah. and you just give it all you got then you are gonna succeed yeah i think so I think the reason people do not succeed is that they do not 100% believe in it. Somehow they yeah. go into it kind of halfway, and and they always have their eyes in the back mirror a little bit, yeah. and are and are kind of ready to jump out at the at the. So you, if you go in like I when I started with Aurora in 2006, you know. For many years, hardly paid any salary for us. You know, I may I may have paid everybody else who was working around it, but I always got the last little bits, and maybe there was nothing left yeah. to pay myself, and that's going on for many many years. You know, and so you have to be willing and able somehow to survive on minimum yeah. payment for some time, but also just to totally believe that this is the right thing to do. Yeah, and I'm somehow so convinced if people really, really, really believe that this is what they want to do and if they put their whole heart and soul into it then they will succeed.
0: Do you reckon your connection with nature gives you an understanding with how to do this in your real life? If you you get what I mean by that. Yeah. It's like like when I go out and I isolate isolate myself in nature and reconnect back in nature and do these trips um, that I do it's like you know like you're sailing out in the middle of the ocean like if you've got that well, you're you're in that full adventure. Yeah, and I like think I think the most,
1: maybe the important thing to take home from from this uh, being with nature is a bit of a. I think maybe the most important thing that it, it teaches you is that humility. You know, that that you are that humbleness somehow. Yeah, that you are. That you are. Um, that this you know it's it, that you're never really in full power but it also yeah I was going to say that it's also this
0: uh, it's hard to put into words yeah, yeah if you no, feel I'm it it's kind of you feel it yeah
1: that. but it's I don't know what to, I don't know I was, I was thinking no I'm not sure exactly what nature take, It's, it's going to teach you
0: that humble thing that really sparks something in me because and especially that that power that you're saying like when yeah, I, was I mean a, you're
1: dealing with I mean in nature, but it's also but it, but on some ways nature is easier than I mean a lot of people escape somehow into the nature because in nature you're dealing with a, let's say just a raw element yeah it can be scary, it can be dangerous, but it's very raw and it's it's, it's pure and and this kind of a force of nature. Yeah. There's no bullshit in it. Yeah, you know that's in in a, in a, in some ways, it's easy. Yeah, you know. The difficult part in in my business, for instance, the di- in in my life basically, the difficult part is not dealing with nature and the storms and the Atlantic and all that shit and the sea ice and the mountain and the avalanches and all that stuff. The difficult things are maybe dealing with bureaucrats somewhere in an office that are you know complicating your life with uh, blah 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 all kinds of bullshit yeah and and you know people yeah that can be the tricky and and, and sometimes you feel that maybe you're not you know you you run away from these things who are which are also real and of course you have to deal with them to just play with the raw element of the nature which are maybe hard but in this kind of way easy you see yeah. on your head somehow. Yeah,
0: I find too when you when you're out there and you are left in those raw situations, that is when you are humble, and then that just reflects back into the other parts of your life. Yeah, it's like when you go back into that real world with that bureaucracy, it's like it's like for some reason it's given you these tools to know what really matters in yeah, life. Yeah, exactly. And I, I don't know. I wonder what this is. It's like when you're out with this raw adventure. It's like you're stripped of everything. I remember one of the most empowering feelings of my life was when we are crossing the Malacca Strait in Indonesia and I've said this actually one time on a podcast before but I was we're in the middle it was a five, six day crossing and you know we're three days in and I haven't seen land for three days and I'm not going to see land for another three days and I'm sitting there looking out at the vastness of this open ocean and I never felt so small in my life but I also never felt so powerful in my life and I don't know what it was it was like the freedom that this gave me but also I felt so empowered that I knew at any second that Mother Nature could just take us. I don't know what it was. It was just Mm. like I felt so stripped of everything, but at the same time I felt so empowered like I can do anything. You know? Yeah,
1: yeah. I think, I mean, of course, nature can teach you, you know, so many things if you were really to listen. And... uh If you have that humbleness to just kind of listen, yeah, to what's going on around you, you 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 don't try to force your own ideas or your own things upon the nature because it'll always win. (laughs) It'll always win.
0: (laughs) That's I think it's a very nature is a very good way to keep your ego in check. Yeah, I think so. You know. Because At any moment it can just smash you yeah. <laughs> I, I, and even
1: here because I think in this in these kind of communities here it's not only about what happens in your it in your recreation, like in your hobbies and stuff, you know if you go skiing or climbing, it's also a big part of the whole community you know we have i mean I grew up with these horrible accidents at sea all the time, which fortunately have practically disappeared, yeah. You know, where from every village there was somebody dying every, you know, there was one or two persons lost at sea every year. You know, it was a a very big part of the life of the fishermen that, you know, most likely some of them would get killed. Yeah. That has been solved quite nicely in the last decades, you know, with more better education, better weather forecast, better technique, you know, technology and shipbuilding and stuff. Yeah. So, but also, but on the other hand, you had the same problems with avalanches, you know we had two in in 1995 we had you know three avalanches here in this in the, the two fjords this fjord and the next two fjords where almost 40 people got killed in the in the course of a year and a half Shit. so that that also you know brings it home that you're dealing with uh, something much much bigger than you with with all your technology all your you know
0: everything you know you're
1: still not you are still not under control
0: yeah I've I noticed on these hills up here, you've got the um, fences yeah. up on the mountains yeah. as as kind of avalanche control. Yeah. I'm guessing that was something that implemented after those accidents. Yeah, that was a huge scene. Yeah. What's there was one last question I had for you, and that was um, to do with that. But that was the relationship between you being a sailor and the coast guard. Like, is that um, compared to sailing other places in the world? Is like that? I, I can imagine here that there would be a really strong relationship between you and the coast guard. As in, like, when you're doing these trips to Greenland, are you constantly checking in and getting the weather updates and, like...
1: Yeah, I mean, we are quite self-sufficient. We don't necessarily... We need to... We keep keep in touch with the Coast Guard, yes, quite a lot. But we... It's mostly to let them know where we are. Yeah. Which has two uh, two sides to it. One is that they know where we are if something happens to us or yeah. if we go... If we disappear. But they also know where we are if somebody else in the neighborhood needs assistance. yeah which I think is equally important and that's one of the reasons that I'm I'm happy to be part of that program for instance in Greenland we call into the Greenlandic uh, or the Danish coast guard the, in Greenland so and that's also important because if if uh, if another boat is in trouble somewhere they can look it up and say oh there's this boat is close by let's call him and yeah. he can Have you ever
0: it. been in that situation?
1: Uh, no we have never had to call for help
0: so that's a mayday call yeah no we've never had that so fortunately and and you yourself luckily haven't had to do a mayday call no cross fingers touch wood yeah definitely. yeah, yeah. Well, i think um i think we could wrap it up yeah. that was an amazing conversation and i really i'm i'm really glad that you showed me so much depth that you have and and so much respect for the for the nature here and, and everything that you do yeah. it was um yeah, it's really good to see. Right. <laughs> no, no, it was amazing. I was so excited to come down here and and talk to you because everyone just keeps telling me that you're this well that you're a well-known expedition guy here. That oh, yes. a lot of the stuff you do is not too many people in the world do it, and by the sounds, of it, I don't think anyone does it. <laughs> you know, going to the yeah. east side of Greenland and
1: yeah, I mean, there's quite a lot of. Bo- I mean, there's quite a lot of people. I mean, there's quite, of course, there's so many, you know, really good sailors in the world. I think that what has been a little bit different about what we have done, or what I have been doing here, is that is this combination. Yeah. So we don't do we don't do these things from a sailor's perspective. Yeah. We do it. I mean, I'm more somehow doing it from the land perspective somehow. Yeah. I mean, I like the sailing and I love the sailing, but but the more importantly, the boats are. Some, you know, vehicle to get to these places where where you would not be able to get to otherwise. Yeah. There's no roads. There's no airports. You can't get. There's the only way to get there is on a boat. Yeah. And there's no huts or no hotels to stay, so you need to bring your home with you.
0: Yeah. And that's, oh, yeah, what an amazing way to get such a raw adventure. So how how um how would people find you? What's your web, website?
1: So it's uh, Aurora uh, Arctica. A R K T I K Arctica.
0: And people can book through trips, book yeah, yeah. trips through that or, or yeah, just get yeah. a hold
1: of you? Yeah, they just send me an email. Yeah. It's yeah. a very I mean for us to be fully booked for a season that's like 200, two hundred two three hundred people per boat, it's yeah. not a lot. Yeah. So we are normally booked like now we're fully booked pretty much for this season and uh, already taking bookings for next year.
0: That's amazing. And you're saying you had an Instagram? Yeah, that's the same thing. Aurora Arctica. Aurora Arctica amazing yeah thanks so much all right. yeah thank good. you very much all right we'll see you later just <laughs> say I do it like a double. (laughs)